for, for the opportunity, for the privilege um, that we have to come together to you know, come into what is an ordinary hall in, a, in an ordinary town um, as ordinary people and to encounter you, an extraordinary God. We thank you for your faithfulness, your faithfulness to come, to come near to us, to encounter us, not, not because of our um, incredible talents or whatever, but, but just because you love us. And I pray that as we continue and sort of read your word in a minute and, and reflect on all that it means, God, I pray that you would tangibly encounter us with your love and your presence. I, we were in a prayer meeting this morning and I got a set, someone had um, a word about um, kind of like, I forget, we're so good, I forgot it. Um, but it was like breakthrough, like, like that sense of a breaking in. Um, like what we celebrate in, what we're celebrating as Christmas is, is God who so loved the world that he broke into it and came and sent his one and only son. And so God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the, the invitation was, and I want to extend it to all of us, where you need God to break into your life, he's here to do it. And whether you've been waiting for five minutes, or five years, or five decades, The invitation or the hope is that you continue to wait and expect and know that he's the God who, who can, who will break in to your life. So we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your kindness, for your grace, and for your wonderful, wonderful breaking in in our life. Amen. Wonderful. All right, so we are welcome to the fourth week of, of our Advent tradition. I hope that you guys have come to love um, this time of year as much as I have. I was so gutted to have missed the first, the first um, week of Advent, but I'm so happy to be able to be here this morning as we're going to light the fourth, Advent, fourth candle of our Advent tradition. And this candle, as we light it, um, which is the same, well, not the same, but the candle that represents um, the candle of love, the love of heaven. And so I, th I think what, I, what really captures my imagination around the, the tradition of Advent is, is the, the knowledge of knowing that all over the world um, there are people, groups of people, ordinary people, who have given their life to, to this man called Jesus or, or are considering giving their life to this person called Jesus whose lives have been completely turned around. The trajectory of their being has completely shifted because of an encounter with this Jesus who is both fully God and fully man. 
And so I love the thought that all over the world, our attentions are being drawn to the love of this God. And in 2022 years later, you know, our culture um, has some really big hurdles that, that we can face when we consider love. We have, many of us have experiences that, that are not really experiences we would choose to celebrate or think about that have happened because of what maybe has been called love or has been, um, you know, sort of an outworking or things we thought were love. We've got, we've, we live in a world filled with heartbreaking breakdowns of relationships, of, of terrible abuses that have happened by people who were supposed to love us. And, there, and then there are some more obstacles that we face as we face the love. Don't worry, it gets more hopeful after in a minute. But, um, but it's, it's worthwhile. Like, like, what is faith if we don't acknowledge where we, the here and now and the knowing that God breaks into it and changes it? You know, faith isn't about painting a, a false picture. And so some of the obstacles that we face, one is our language in and of itself. The English language is so inadequate and woefully unprepared for even just the word love. Like, think about what you've said recently that you love. We don't even have to say it anymore. We, love is just a click of a heart-shaped button. And so, so our language is, is inadequate. You know, the, um, the Greek language has at least four completely different words for what we translate to love. The other thing we have is, is our culture, as I said before, but our cultural definition of love and the outworking of love is often so tragically, has tragically distorted um, heaven's definition or the candle we lit today, the representative of that love. Our culture and our world have distorted it in so many ways. And many of us, if not all of us, bear the scars of a love that doesn't represent the love that heaven is bringing. And even more unhelpful, I promise it gets hopeful in a minute, but even more unhelpful is the season that we find ourselves in. If no, I ban them actually, in my presence anyway, but if I were to watch another ridiculously sentimental, unhelpful, horrific Christmas movie, I think a part of me would die inside. But, but they, are, they are complete, they should come with a health warning. Like they are horrible. We love them. That's a terrible use of the word love. See, That's a, you, thank you, Christina. No, but my point is this, is that if we are looking at that sweetly sentimental, unrealistic, fake view of love, you know, that kind of love is, is as fanciful as a guy in a red suit who comes with flying reindeer. Not that guy in a red suit. He's real. He's brilliant. But do you know what I, you know what I mean? So, so we come, when we, when we light this candle that represents love, we have to acknowledge 
what it is and what it isn't. And those are some things that it isn't. And yet, we still light the candle and we still hope and we still long for and we still expect. And many of us in this room have experienced a love that is nothing like I've just said before, but a love that completely shifts our, our life trajectory. A love that completely moves us from going in one direction to another. And, and we've been completely impacted for the good because of a love. That's the love of heaven. That's the love that we light this candle this morning. Jesus famously said in Matthew, and I'm just going to paraphrase it in Matthew's gospel, that he was asked the question, what's the most important thing? Or what do I have to do? How do I have to get by? And it was a question that was asked by someone who wasn't really interested in the answer. They were trying to trip Jesus up. But he says this famously. Many of us will know it. You must what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And what's the second one? You have to what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Even people who aren't familiar with Scripture, aren't familiar with the words of Jesus, know that one. It's kind of like the, the golden rule. So what is that kind of love? You know, Jesus said, he went on to say, after he said the, those famous words, he said, everything else, and I'm going to paraphrase it to fit us in our context, but he's saying, do those things. So love God that way. Love others that way. And then he said, everything else, everything of value, anything of meaning, all of it is based has its foundations in that kind of love. One version of Scripture says, everything else hangs off of those two pillars. And yet, if, if we aren't completely overwhelmed or taken back by the thought of how do we outwork one, loving God, and two, loving others, if that doesn't just set us back and kind of like, how in the world do we do that? I suggest we're not thinking about it enough. But the great news of Scripture, the great is that Scripture um, and the God of this way of love that we celebrate this morning is that Scripture has an incredible account of exactly what love looks like. And so if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, um, you can go to it, or actually, Angela's going to read it, and I think we're going to do it slightly differently. So maybe just leave your device. Sorry, get off of TikTok. You know, no, no, no being on that. But... Um, we're just going to actually, Angela's going to read it, and we're going to go through a slightly different exercise. Now, if you've been to any wedding that has any sense of Christian um, content, you're going to be familiar with um, 1 Corinthians 13. I think, I mean, it's lovely. If you've had this at your wedding, don't worry. And I know I've read it at weddings that I've taken. But talk about another hurdle. To, to this, this scripture that, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is incredibly inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this portion of scripture, and for us just to box it in such a small box to include 
um, like a wedding thing or how a husband should love his wife or a wife should love her husband is, is just so missing the broader point of what Paul was writing. It still, it still applies, but oh my goodness, there's so much more. So as Angela's going to read, and she's going to intentionally read it a lot slower than normal, there's a few things that I'd love for us to consider. And I'd love for us to be inspired by, by this, but also ask ourselves three questions. So firstly, um, Angela, like I said, Angela's going to read it um, really slowly. And there are three things that I'd love for us to consider in and of ourselves. Is one, what ways, so, so she's going to read the ways of love or, or scripture's definition of what love is. I know many of us will be already thinking about it. I, I know the list and whatever. But as, we, as she goes to the list, what I'd love to do is for us to think about what ways do we see or have we experienced that kind of love from Jesus. So in this room, there are countless years of, of being a, as a followers of Jesus. And in those years, we all have this bank, this wonderful, this wonderful experiences where Jesus has encountered us. They may be big and profound, but often they're small and often they're um, you wouldn't even recognize it if, if you weren't looking. And so as Angela reads, I'd be, love for us to be open to how have we experienced these qualities um, through and in Jesus. The second way is what ways have I seen, or probably more appropriately, have I not seen in my own life? So in my own way of loving and living, um, what areas have I, have I just kind of been like, man... I have dropped the ball in that area. And then thirdly, it would be if we were to live out these verses, you'll, you'll get it in a minute, but if, if that were to be our definition of love, if we were to go out from this point on forward in our workplaces, in our homes, in our Christmas dinners with our extended family and that uncle who is just like, oh, if I were to shift and somehow change my practice, what would that look like? What could be? And so just before Angela reads, this isn't a beat up. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a kind of a a checklist of, oh man, I'm, I'm excelling in this one or, oh, shoot, this is tough. It's not that. It's, it is about being reminded of, of how heaven defines love, and it's being, having the encouragement that that love is on its way. So I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let love be your highest goal. So our, our challenge is the same, you know, more than 2,000 years later, to, to live this way of love. Not, not one day in the future, but here and now. As scripture says, to make it our goal, to pursue, to chase after it, to try and to fail and to try again. Love this, love this way now because that kind of love, the love that we just heard, is, is the language or, or it is the culture, it is the worldview of the heaven that is coming. Um, sorry, no, no, I'm just checking my notes here. I think I am. I think you're in here next. Ah, okay. Yeah, so um, I feel like I was settling in. How, why am I doing this again? But anyway, <laughs> um, making myself vulnerable once again. I just wanted to, we didn't want to talk about love this morning and not acknowledge the, um, 
the challenge, it's really, really challenging. You can't read this stuff and not be challenged if you live in this world with people. Um, and so I just wanted to share in no detail at all, um, but I have had a very incredibly painful relationship in my life and it's particularly peaked this year. And yeah, I think it's, it's not, it's something probably more internal than external, but it, within me it's been a wall around my heart and I'm like, I hold like way out there. And um, my face would never show it, but inside that's what was happening for me. And not necessarily, I want to say too, not necessarily a bad thing. Like it was, it was out of a protection um, and I don't always think that's bad. I don't know. Someone can um, analyse me and tell me it might be. But for me, anyway, it wasn't. It didn't feel like a bad thing. Um, and so this year, I was asked by that person if I would forgive them and if I'd be willing to forgive. And oh my goodness, that's a really, really huge journey to go on. And I was faced with a decision of whether I would continue to hold at arm's length. I could just say, yeah, sure, I'll forgive you. But I knew the work was going to have to be internal, that it was a real internal thing for me. And a real thing of, you know, reading this, these verses, whether I was willing to screw up my records of wrongdoing that had been done against me, because I, I had quite a few. And I just want to say that um, in... The process, I have been shocked. I don't like those glasses. I have been shocked at, as I have taken this step to forgive, how much the record of wrongdoings comes back. It is like spectacular. Um, and so it's not a once and done thing. It's like every time it rises again, I'm like, oh my gosh, do you remember, you know, I'll recall things to Lynn, and do you remember when, da, da, da. Um, and so that's that's the real nitty gritty stuff of these verses. Like we are we are asked to not keep a record of wrong, which is really really hard to do. Um, but anyway, I chose to pursue this version of love and to make that my goal. And the results of that are somewhat incomplete. And I don't know what the future will hold. But what I do know is within me, I have a warmth now for that person, which I haven't had. And it's, I just don't want you to think it's easy because it hasn't been easy. It's been really, really hard. But I have a greater peace and I have a deeper affection than I have known in a really, really long time. Mm. So this kind of candle of love and representing you know, God's incredible love for us. I just would love to encourage all of us to take that love into our holidays this year, into our Christmases, into our... Um, with the acknowledgement that it is not easy. It is really, really hard. And you will be pushed, I imagine, unless you have really come by our relationships in your life, but I don't. Um, so you will be challenged, but I just really want to encourage you to take this love with you as you go. Don't buy into the lie 
that erases the realities that we all hold. You know, we all hold difficult things, and that doesn't go away because it's Christmas. Um, but know that that love of heaven can come, is coming, and will come again to walk with you through it. Wonderful. And so what we'd love to do now is, see, look, that's it, love, love to do, yes. Yeah. What we would like to do now <laughs> is, um, is actually do what is one of the most wonderful expressions we have in the, in the, um, in the Christian tradition is, is come to the Lord's table. And I wanted to actually just take a moment to um, speak into this as well. So if you're, if you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you ha- can't remember the last time that you've come to the table, I want you to know here at Maharangi Vineyard, but, but here in, even in the vineyard um, tradition and, and outworking, is we interpret scripture in such a way that this is an open table that everyone has a place at. That no one... No one is exempt or has is is there's a roadblock that, that keeps you from this table. That at this table, each and every one of us find meaning, find hope, and and there is an honored place for each and every person at this table. Jesus tells a story that represents uh, that that talks a lot about uh, a father whose son went off and did the most horrific things and said the most horrific things. And and the father's response was to run and to meet his son. And even when he was a long way off, he embraced him and he restored him. And and that's not to say then there isn't a lifetime of outworking and working through all of the complexities that Angela's talked about. But but as far as your place of belonging, it is here and it's now. And that and so Jesus told in that story that there's there's an honored place at the table. That that our place at this table isn't even a second rate place at the bottom of the table or at the back of the table. That that for each of us we have a place of honor at the table. That God wants to, He longs to, He desires to meet with you at this table. That as we pick up that bread and we grab a cup, that that we do so. And whether it's the first time in a long time or just another time in in a lifetime of journey, um, that we would encounter him today. That he would encounter us today. That we would celebrate a love that loved us so much that he would send his one and only son, not, not just to walk on the earth and say some great stories and do some incredible miracles and then go again, but, but to do all of those things, but then to die, to, to experience and take the weight of all of our sin, of all of our shortcomings, of all of our failures, of all of our outright rebellion, all of it to take it on himself because he loved you. Because he loves you. Not once you've sorted yourself out and got yourself all cleaned up and are kind of acceptable. No, in your very worst, God sees you and he loves you. In our very worst, God runs to us and embraces us and reminds us how much he cares for us. 
If you haven't given your life to Jesus, or, you, or you've taken a lot of your own life back, now, today, as you come and you pick up that cup, let it be an, an outworking on the outside of an inner decision to give your life over again to Jesus. Allow him to do what he does best, which is to show you and tell you how much he loves you. And allow that love to completely change the trajectory of your life. Allow that love to be the thing that shifts your, your actions, that shifts your thoughts. Not a fear of what may be, but, but because of love. Let love be our motivation, not fear. Sorry, I've gone off script. but um, So why don't we stand? We'll put that music on if we can. Yeah. I'm just going to read from 1 Corinthians 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So Jesus, I thank you that for each of us, as we, as we come forward, and if we choose to come forward to your table, we do so knowing that we have all sinned, that we have all fallen short, that none of us is worthy to hold that bread and hold this cup in our own strength. All of us do so, relying on you. All of us do so in an acknowledgement as best we can of a love that actually is really hard to even wrap our heads around. But for each of us now, God, I pray for a tangible encounter with your presence this morning as we, as we grab a piece of bread and we hold a cup we would know you to be the God who holds us, the God who loves us, the God who sent his one and only Son to make a way for us. And as we celebrate Advent and celebrate a love that is kind of hard to get our heads around, we do so knowing that, Jesus, you are coming again and the next time you come, you're bringing all of heaven with you, including that love, which will only grow as heaven comes. So as you're ready, you can come up, grab, grab some bread. There's some gluten-free things at the back here if you need that. Um, grab a cup and then come back, go back to your seat or a seat. And we're not going to lead um, the taking of the elements. We're going to just allow you to do that in, in your own time. But um, maybe, yeah, someone gets started. <laughs>
So these guys are going to lead us maybe one more time in, in the song, Here Comes Heaven. But, um, and, and they're, they're going to do that. But if you, if you are here this morning and you just, um, maybe one of, those, one of those things as Angela read through love, um, just really sort of jumped out at you, or even coming forward and, and taking communion this morning was, was um, just really would love, if you would love someone just to stand with you and pray with you and bless what it is the Holy Spirit's already doing. We'd love, we'd love to do that. And, and whether or not that's responding by coming forward and, and myself or someone will just, um, just you know, pray, pray a blessing over what it is um, God is already doing. We'd, we'd love you to, to, um, to respond. Sorry, horrible fly. No one eat the bread. Um, but now I'm totally off track by a dirty fly. Come on. Um, the other thing is, though now I know where I am, is if you're here this morning and, you've, and you have never given your life to Jesus and, and he sounds like he'd be a pretty good person to put, or a pretty good God to put your life into his hands, man, we would love to pray with you. We'd love to be there at the start of what will be not an easy journey, but it will be a journey that you'll never regret. Like, like you will, yeah will be incredible. So we'd love to pray with you um, in that as well, or even ask, answer any other questions that you might have as well. So why don't we stand? Um, and if you'd like to respond, you can just come forward, like I say, or, or see someone at the end, myself or Angela or one of those people, the team that came up. We'd love to just to pray with you. These guys are going to lead us one more time into In Here Comes Heaven. We'll have a great morning tea together. Say hello to some people. Give setup teams a hand at the end um, in, in packing down as well. And have a wonderful day. It's all yours.